Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Ava Torah Series Simcha, recording 42. Last week, we talked about the foundational idea of mindfulness as practicing awareness. Not talking, not planning, not even actively thinking. Just watching, observing, noticing whatever and wherever you find yourself. This week, we'll talk about the incredible impact that practicing mindfulness has on one of the hardest skills to cultivate, our ability to tolerate difficult emotions. When we talk about difficult or uncomfortable emotions, we're talking about feelings like sadness, embarrassment, shame, emotions that trigger us to turn inward. And we're also talking about emotions like rejection, betrayal, anger, emotions which trigger us to respond outward towards others. Both categories can induce a reaction which feels like going from zero to 100 in just a few seconds. The difference is where we direct our response. In his book, Dr. Feiner draws our attention to a comment of Rashi which deepens this idea. For context, the comment appears right after the death of Aaron and an unexpected battle that the Jewish people had to wage with the Canaanite people. Not terribly unexpected, the Jewish people began to complain for food and water and expressed a desire to return to Egypt. The text describes the nation's state of being as vatiktsar nefesh ha'am. The spirit of the people was disheartened. They felt discouraged, depressed, hopeless. And Rashi, elaborating on this description, writes from such a psychologically astute place, Ke'adam shehatorach ba'alav, when something disturbing falls upon a person, v'ein kabel oto hadavar, and his state of mind isn't broad enough to be able to accept it, to hold it. And he doesn't have room in his heart where the pain needs to be tolerated. Then the text describes him with the language of Vatiktsar Nefesh Ha'am. The people felt terribly despondent and they didn't have the skills to tolerate and sit with those feelings not cognitively or emotionally, as Rashi explained. They couldn't sit in the distress of what they were feeling, and so instead, they reacted to their pain with complaints. If the Jewish people were reading a self-help book in 2023, chances are pretty good that they'd be told to cheer up, that this too shall pass, and that they should definitely count their blessings. But what the people needed to do as they felt themselves growing more and more miserable was a two-step process. The first step is noticing what they were feeling on a physiological level in their body as well as on an emotional level. This first step is about recognizing feelings as they begin to arise, not 15 consequential steps later. And the second step is then creating space to sit and tolerate the feelings without doing anything in response. 
I can't overstate how hard it is to get people to buy into this process because we're so deeply wired to respond, to fix, to do something. Being asked to just sit, experience, and tolerate what we're feeling can appear to the rational mind as being totally unproductive and it can feel like self-inflicted pain. So why should we do it? Why should we practice the skill of sitting with our unpleasant feelings? Before we answer that, let's remind ourselves of the alternative ways to respond. Some suppress their emotions or push them aside, denying their expression. Others allow their unpleasant emotions to be expressed, but they do so in ways which direct and dictate responses that are neither productive nor soothing. Neither one of these responses lead to feelings of equanimity or happiness. Suppression never works long-term, and knee-jerk responses are usually not our best moments. In contrast, sitting with unpleasant emotions, not just pausing and counting to 10, but sitting with them creates a space, a gap between a trigger event and our usual conditioned response. And we can learn a lot sitting in that gap, in that mindful place. We often begin to discover that we're capable of recentering ourselves in our body and then choosing our course of action. And creating distance between myself and my feelings can sound strange, right? I mean, I, I am my feelings, my feelings are me, right? Well, yes and no. They're a part of me, they're felt by me, but when I'm more mindful of my emotions, they remain exactly that, just one part of me. Listen to this description from a young woman who battled with anxiety for many years and began practicing mindfulness. She says, when I'm present and aware, it's then that I notice the symptoms that elevate my heart rate, dry my mouth, place intrusive thoughts in my head, and push me towards fight or flight responses. By noticing these sensations, I can be more of an observer of them and less of a slave to them. I choose to identify them and give them a name. I choose to look them straight in the face. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but I've learned to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And from this place, I can exercise choice over what I do. I can act less in response to the pressure of my thoughts and feelings and more from a value-driven place. The more we practice, especially when we're not activated, when we're not in a crisis, the more balanced our emotional life can and will become. Practicing when things are calm creates the skill set that we can draw from when our emotions feel overwhelming. And there's one more important layer, which is that sitting with difficult emotions is an essential skill when we feel emotions for which there is no response. There is nothing to do. When we experience loss and we feel sadness and grief, the only healing comes through tolerating the very painful 
and raw emotions. In the short term, it's incredibly painful. But over time, it does become more manageable. The alternative of denying, suppressing, or deflecting painful emotions can feel liberating in the short term. But we suffer far more over the long term. We'll end with an observation made by Sharon Salzberg, one of the leading meditation teachers, commenting on the continuous rising numbers of people who suffer from anxiety and depression. She points out that in previous generations, there were far fewer distractions, far fewer easy access means to deflect painful emotions. People had no choice but to sit and experience what they were feeling. Let's give that some thought and see whether we can actively harness a process that is hard, but will truly contribute to our long-term happiness.